On a very important day today is National Indigenous Peoples Day, and we're talking right now about why preserving Indigenous languages is so critical to holding on to culture. Our guest is a professor and associate dean and Canada's research chair at the Faculty of Education at the University of Manitoba, Dr. Frank Deere. Dr. Deere, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Hello. Good to be here. Glad to have you, and glad to have you to talk about something that I think it needs some attention. You know, language is something that we really take for granted, but it's so it means so much to us. Talk about how language can be such an important tool to uh, to hold on to culture. Yeah, so I think one of the important things that uh, people uh, know but they don't think often about is the, the the sort of meanings that are resident in language. People, when people are uh, talking. Uh, about the places in which they live, the territories in which their nations are. are. Uh, there's so much within the language that codifies our understandings about those places, those understandings of the things that are going on. I'm talking to you from uh, Winnipeg, so uh, it derives from uh, uh, an indigenous word, Winnipegao, which uh, refers to muddy water. Uh, we're on the Red River here, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, it's in Manitoba, which derives from another indigenous word. Manitowapo, which uh, can be understood to mean where the creator sits. And um, those are just examples of how the ecological dimensions of our territories are resident in our language. And uh, I come from um, uh, out east in Haudenosaunee Territory, uh, Gunnawaga, just south of Montreal. Um, and I say Montreal, in my language, the word for Montreal is Jojage, which uh, can be understood to mean where the, where the currents come together, where the rivers uh, meet, and uh, of course where the St. Lawrence River and the Ottawa River kind of meet there, right? So there's a lot of meaning stored in there, but it's not just the meaning, it's not just the translation, but they're parts of, they're parts of stories, they're parts of understandings of who we are, and uh, there is a great deal of important Indigenous national identity that's stored in our languages, so very important. You know, I think I think we we most of us have sort of an idea of the fact that a lot of indigenous language has been lost over the years, and certainly by the treatment of indigenous people towards indigenous people. Uh, certainly, residential schools having a really big part in that. But can you can you speak to that a little bit? The struggle to hold on to language that's been that's been lost in so many really unfortunate and tragic events. Right. Right. I, I mean, the struggle lies in a number of things, one of which is um, how we have uh, fewer, far fewer uh, fluent speakers in our languages than we wish we did. And that is a result of having uh, been forced to uh, converse, to learn, to live in languages, in, in uh, existences for which English and French were the lingua franca and still are in some ways. So you have fewer speakers and when you come to a point where you, you, there, there is a feeling, a prevailing feeling that we wish to uh, reinvigorate our languages, to revitalize them, um, it's not only just that we have so few people to speak them, we still have an understanding in most cases of what the language uh, sounds like, what, what some of the words mean and such, but um, it's still the, um, the, the linguistic uh, uh, landscape of Canada is one where English and French is prioritized so much and uh, screen media, the, the, the other forms of, uh, of knowledge are stored in English or French. So that, that makes it difficult too.
Could you could you develop a language if, if a language if an indigenous language has been lost substantially? Could you redevelop it based on some of the the known words or the the what is still available of it? Yeah, so that's that's an interesting question. Now, I come from Mohawk territory, as I said earlier, and um, there is has been some uh, attempts to uh, create words. Uh, for things that uh, came into our lives, into our communities that weren't there before, and it's, but but we borrowed in some cases mm. from other languages to describe them. So uh, when I was growing up, the word cheese there was no there was no word for it. We used the word geese, which was a borrowed word, mm. and and that's the issue, right? When you when you borrow, which we we, we see in some Creole sort of languages too on the prairies, um, you you if you're not using the the fundamental syntax associated with your language, you are losing an important part of the way in which your language uh, existed at one point and, and shall exist future. But there are some people who are deliberately working to describe things that um, in, in our world that maybe didn't merit description in the past mm-hmm. with our language. And, and, and we're doing well, uh, but they have their influences, uh, of course, that are, are really quite interesting. So, uh, for instance, um, uh, today's Wednesday. In my language, the word for Wednesday is zozehne, uh, which uh, can be said to mean Wednesday, but fundamentally what it means is Joseph's Day. Uh, now, that's the influence of the Catholic Church in, sure. in my nation. Yeah. Um, and that's one example. There there are many. Yeah. I think we still have such a long way to go. And I think there's so much conversation that we can have about this, Dr. Deer. We don't have that much more time with you. But I do just want to check in really quickly about what's, what's happening moving forward with the next decade in our country being declared the decade of Indigenous language. What does that mean to you? And what do you hope is a result of that? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, transcending the idea that um, that there are only a small number of languages that are viable in the language of the, ling- the linguists uh, when they made a study a few years ago uh, through Heritage Canada that said that only in the Anishinaabe Moan, the, the language of uh, the, the Ojibwe, uh, Cree and Inuktitut were the only three languages that would uh, last or survive the next few generations. Um, of course, there are a few that uh, did have some 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 sustainability as far as I'm concerned uh, but uh, people are working deliberately to include these languages uh, in the schools in some form of um, of text for young people to sort of engage with so I think one of the important things is, is, is community um, commitment to give uh, our youth an opportunity and a reason to speak the language in, in, in their families, in their schools, in their communities. And the more we do that and the more we have it reflected in media and in written form, the better off we'll be. And I think we can still have conversations about what that's going to look like as it continues to develop over the next decade and beyond. Uh, but Dr. Deer, that's all the time that we do have with you. Thank you so much uh, for chatting with me this afternoon. It's been a pleasure. Yalgoa. Take Thank care. You. That's Dr. Frank Deere, Professor and Associate Dean and Canada Research Chair at the Faculty of Education at the University of Manitoba.